Blog Talk Radio. Prophet Edward Eberly, 
I'd like to welcome everybody here in the United States as well as around the world. Also, those who will be listening to this after the broadcast, which uh, we always place our broadcasts on the on-demand section, so you'll see over 500 programs on that section. So I would invite everybody to look over the programs, not just myself ministering, but there's many others on there. So I'd like to invite you to check that out on the uh, website of, of, uh, of the on-demand section. Okay. Before we do anything tonight, let's look to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing upon this program tonight, okay? Heavenly Father, we just want to praise you and thank you for this wonderful privilege of ministering on this program tonight, Lord. Father, I thank you for the honor of doing this and to speak your word to others, Father. And I just ask that you will just move upon the hearts, prepare the hearts, Father. Give me the words to say, anoint what I say and make it your words not mine Father because Father you have an attendant purpose for this service tonight and I ask you just to bless it and Father everything that is accomplished will give you all the praise and all the glory for it's in Jesus name we pray and they all said amen amen and amen okay for a topic tonight I was impressed to bring what is called the reality of being in Jesus the reality of being in Jesus. You know, like the song that was there before I came on the air right here, for me to live as Christ. That's quite a statement, for me to live as Christ. We can say that, but not just say it, but actually walk in that. And it's a progressive thing. As we grow, we walk, and we look more like Jesus. And that should be each one of our aims, to look more like Jesus, to receive what he has for us, to do what he has for us to do, and to recognize who we are in Jesus. And that's what this this message will be about tonight. Now, first of all, I have the reality of being in Jesus. There's one thing that uh, has to happen. That is living a God-controlled life. It must be a God-controlled life for us to be able to have the reality of being in Jesus or looking more like Jesus. But we must live a God-controlled life. Now, that can only be possible one way. That's God's part there. He controls our life. He wants to control our life if we allow him. But there's one thing that you and I must do in order to have a God-controlled life. That is, we must have self-control. We must have self-control or temperance in our lives. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.25, it says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they that do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Okay? Temperance, self-control, having control of ourselves, And that's one of the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5.22-23, to have self-control of ourselves. In fact, the Word tells us that if we, we are more valuable, it's more valuable we have control of our own spirit than the person that has control of a whole city. That's more important, more relevant, that we have self-control. Now, you'll say, why do you need self-control to have a God-controlled life? Well, it's very simple. You know, God requires things of, of us as we're led by the Holy Spirit. There's certain things he tells us to do, not to do, how to do. And if we don't have control over ourselves, uh, what might happen and would happen is he'll want us to do something and we'll say, well, I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do it. I just don't like to do it. And if we allow that to be, then we're going to disobey him, aren't we? Could he control us if we didn't have control of ourselves? We must be like Jesus and what he did at Gethsemane. Remember, he didn't want to go to the cross. 
He said, if it be possible, take this cup away from me, Father. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And that needs to be our attitude towards the things that come our way in order to have temperance or self-control of our lives. We don't like everything that comes our way. It's not always pleasant. It's not always a thing we like to do. But we must have the attitude of Jesus. Nevertheless, not my will done, but your will done. And you know, the blood that Jesus shed at Gethsemane is the first time that Jesus shed his blood. When he shed his blood there, that blood that dripped down his forehead, down his cheeks, that blood was the blood that gave us the ability to say no to ourselves and yes to God, to have self-control, to say not my will but yours be done, Lord. That was the empowerment. So that's the blood he shed right there, not just counting on the cross, but right there also that gave us the ability that we can overcome things that we don't want to do and say, I'm going to do what you want no matter what self wants to do. So, you see, we must be in that place in order to have the reality of Jesus to be in our lives. Now, in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, that's just two verses down, it says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That was the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians. He said, after preaching to all these people, all these places and everything, if I don't watch myself and keep myself under subjection and be obedient and obey the Lord, I myself can be cast out because of disobedience. So he said, I have to keep control over this body of mine because this body of mine has desires that aren't right and things that wants to do that I shouldn't do. So I have to keep control and I have to master this and have self-control that I don't become a castaway, that I'll be obedient and I'll be pleasing unto the Lord. Now, there's another scripture in 1 Corinthians six twelve. All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Things that are lawful in the spirit by God is lawful in his eyes. They're, I'm not talking about things that are bad, but I'm talking about certain things. Certain things are lawful. Many things are lawful. But what he's saying here. Let's use an example to help you understand a little better. It's like watching television. It's lawful for me to watch television, look at the proper programs and things like that. But if I become addicted to it, I can't help myself by watching television. I just got to watch TV. I just have to do this, or I have to watch a football game, or I have to do this or that. If I have to do it, I'm under subjection to that, you see. It's almost like smoking cigarettes, which is wrong. You're addicted to it. I won't become addicted to anything, good or bad, you see. We always think of addictions and being addicted as bad things like drugs and things like that, alcohol, which it is bad. It is wrong to do that. But we can be addicted to good things, and that is wrong in a sense that we are under subjection to that completely. You see, it's a good thing to be addicted to reading the Word of God, wanting to read the Word of God, yes. But meaning that we don't become addicted even to good things that are lawful for us to do because we need to live a balanced life. In other words, I'm going to be led by the Spirit, and I'm not going to be held back by anything that says, you can't do this, you can't do that, or you've got to do this, you've got to do that, in the sense of my body wanting something, like overeating or like to watching too much TV or too much recreation. I won't allow myself to get into that place where I'm unpleasing to God, where it displeases Him and takes time away from my relationship with God. Okay, Jesus said in John fourteen twelve. this is one of my favorite scriptures. In fact, I've, that was my book, the book I wrote, Overpowering Influence of the Truth. 
that was my mainline scripture, one of my favorite scriptures. And even when I sign books sometimes, uh, I use the scripture. Jesus said, the things I do, so shall you do. Even greater things shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Okay? For what he said to us there, he was actually telling you and I, he said, I'm giving you all authority, I'm giving you the ability, and I'm giving you my promises. Because in those, you will be able to do as I did. Because I've, first of all, said you can do it. Secondly, I have given you this, the ability, the strength to do it. I've given you the ability to heal the sick. I've given you the ability to cast out devils. I've given you the ability to walk in love, walk in faith, have peace in your life. I've given you everything to do these things, plus my promises. And my promises fills everything else up that you're to have to be, to know, do, and know who you are. That's everything. That's the whole ball of wax. It's just like the scripture, Second Peter 1, verse 3 and 4. He said, I'm giving you all things that pertain to life and to godliness in this life and also to things that pertain to hereafter. Everything Jesus gave to us, you see, it's all been given to us. And this is what we're going to be talking about tonight, the things that he's given unto us that we should be in the reality of it. Not just saying, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, or Apostle Paul did this, or so-and-so had that or did that. But these are things for you and I also, you see, things and places we should be, and knowing who we are in Jesus, what we can do, what we can have. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, the important things here. First of all, things that we need to walk in. We need to be walking these things. These need to be a reality. We need to say, be able to say, for me to live is Christ, because I walk as Jesus would have me to walk. I haven't arrived, but I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm getting better at it. And that be said of all of us here. It should be said of all of us. Cause like Paul said, none of us have attained. He said in Philippians 3.13, he said, I'm pressing towards the mark for the high calling. So we all should be pressing towards that mark of being the reality of being in Jesus and doing as he did and reflecting Jesus to those around us. Okay, first of all, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's a righteousness of, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of him and of God in him. Okay? What that means that the sin that we have in our lives, the sin that we are born into, we are all born into sin. We are all born into sin. And the sin that's on us, he took all that sin for every man, woman, boy, and girl would ever be born. And he bore that on the cross. And therefore, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, God doesn't look at, or use my, me for an example, he doesn't look at me in my perfection, my walk, because my walk isn't perfect, but he sees Jesus, you see. I'm in Jesus. I'm not going to go to heaven because I walk perfectly. I'm going to go to heaven because I am in Jesus Christ. And he was, uh, took my sin. He bore that. And the righteousness in Jesus reflects from me to the Father, you see. He sees Jesus when he sees me. So therefore, I pass. I can go to heaven. That's what it is because Jesus prayed that price because he's the only righteous one. He's the only one that's right standing. He's the only perfect one. So therefore, if we're in Jesus, he's not seeing you. Remember that because too many people think, well, hey, uh, I'm not perfect in my walk. I guess the Lord's going to be really disappointed in me. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to do that. Well, it's true. It's how we conduct our lives. We have to conduct our lives obediently. But, yes, remember, when you are walking towards the Lord, and, uh, in fact, he tells us, 
Uh, therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And we have to recognize that's in Romans 8, 1. We have to recognize that we're walking after the Lord. We fall short from time to time. We miss things. We're not perfect in our walk. But yet he's seeing Jesus in us, you see. We just repent and we go on, you see. We don't uh, un- not forgive ourselves or say, oh, my, I messed up. I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm just no good. No, we repent of anything we do wrong. We turn our backs upon it. Repenting, which repenting means you turn completely around from what you did, and then you go ahead and you don't commit it anymore. And when we do that, uh, that pleases God, you see, because we, we grow more and more as we grow and as we go, you see. That's why he made these provisions. So remember, you are the righteousness of God in Jesus. You're in Jesus, so therefore God sees Jesus when he sees you. Okay? He tells you we should have perfect peace. Okay, Isaiah 26, 3 says that thou will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Okay, perfect peace. Now, you read, as I read that verse to you right there, perfect peace, we all want perfect peace, don't we? And that tells us how to get perfect peace, doesn't that verse? He says we keep our minds and hearts set on Jesus, and then we trust him. And that simply means we trust what his word says about us, whether it's something we are standing for in our lives, something that we need to do, or something we have need of. Whatever it might be, we're trusting him to work it out. We're not worried about it. We're not fearful about it because we're trusting what the word of God says, and then we go on about our life. We thank him for it, and we believe by faith that we receive it. Just, just like Mark eleven twenty four, the things that you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them, you see. You believe first and you receive later. And the thing is, it doesn't always happen instantaneously. That's called a miracle when things happen generally right away. But things that don't happen right away all the time. So that's why Mark eleven twenty four says, the things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So you will have them for sure if you're speaking faith words and you believe it and you're thanking for it and in your heart you're believing it's done, you see, by faith. And you just walk and you act that way. Okay? Romans 4.17 tells us that God spoke of things that aren't as though they were. So that's really what faith is. You know, you are speaking and believing and claiming, I got it. The things that you don't have as though you actually have them, then you will have them, you see. But you do that first. You have to believe that, hey, God answered this. I have it now. Since he answered it, it's already beginning in heaven. So I got it. I thank you for it. I speak the things as though they were, and they will become. Speak what the things that aren't as though they were, and they will become. Amen? That's, that's, that's really what it boils down to. But when you approach God in prayer for anything, first of all, you need to make sure there's no unforgiveness in you, and you have a pure heart. John 9.31 says, God hears not a prayer of a sinner, but he that worship him and does his will. Uh, Psalm 66.18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So we need to be pure, pure-hearted, no anger, uh, resentment, uh, anything that's displeasing to God. We enter into that, that place with a pure heart, and there's nothing that he won't do for us that his word states. Okay? So we should have perfect peace, right? And that perfect peace is not just when things are going good for you or me. That perfect peace is period. 
It's there all the time. During the good and bad times, you still have perfect peace, you see. Peace is not merited on your circumstances or situation. It's merited and done in Jesus, you see. You could have a perfect peace when your life is a shambles. I know I've walked, I've lived that way. I, I, I walk in that perfect peace in spite of my circumstances and situation. My wife does. We know those things. We've seen it. We grow in these things. And that's what happens, you know. Uh, with God, he supernaturally gives you that peace when you're obeying him and trusting him, you see. And your mind sometimes will say to you, how in the world can you have peace when look what's happening in your life? My, your life is just all messed up. No, no, you have that perfect peace because you're pleasing God, and that life will change, by the way. You can be in a bad situation, but when you have perfect peace and you're trusting God, it will happen, folks. It will turn around. If you're believing him and speaking words of faith and, and not negative words and down and out words and speaking the devil's words, saying, I got this, I got that, I'm not going to make it, oh, I'm afraid, I'm hurting, I'm sick. If you're talking that kind of junk, you're just building up that stuff that the devil has in you trying to bring towards you. You have to speak, hey, I'm well, I'm healed, my body's a temple of the Holy Ghost, I don't receive this. You have no right in me, Satan. I command you out in the name of Jesus. I don't receive this. You turn it off and you act like you got it because you do have it. It will manifest to you at a certain point in time if you really believe that with a pure heart. Next thing, the 23rd Psalm tells us, it's a psalm that everybody knows, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you know what that actually means? No lack. No lack. That was a psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want, or I shall not want. That means that there's nothing I will lack if the Lord is my shepherd. The Bible tells us in James 1.4 that when we pray, it says, let patience have her perfect work and you will lack nothing. You know what that means? That means when you go to prayer and ask for something according to the word of God, if you're patient and you stand steadfast believing and speaking and claiming no matter what you're seeing or feeling, that means that you will lack nothing. That's the key for you and I to, to turn the doorknob with her, to open the door with to everything that God has for us with patience. Because it didn't happen yesterday or because it didn't happen five minutes after we prayed or even the next day or two, don't get excited about it because God's timing is always perfect. When it's committed to him, you can trust that time and it will not be too early. It won't be too late, but it will be on his time, which is the perfect time. That's where trusting comes in. See, we say we have faith. We have faith. But yet faith, after we've applied our faith sometimes, it's a little longer or maybe a little lengthy waiting period so we're saying, hey, Lord, I'm trusting you for this. I thank you for it. It's a done deal, even though it didn't manifest yet. I thank you for it, Lord, because it's a done deal, and I'm just going about my life serving you, Lord. That's the attitude you and I have to take. Okay, we are as Jesus is on this earth, right? We better be as Jesus, as Jesus is on this earth because that's his plan for every one of us. He said in 1 John 4:17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. But because as he is, so are we in this world. Let me read that again. That's so important, and you and I need to hold on to that. First John 4:17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus lived this world, there were some that hated him, some that loved him. He had his Good times, bad times as far as being negative circumstances and situations. So if people hated him, they're going to hate you. 
If they loved him, they're going to love you. Uh, if they persecuted him, they're going to persecute you. If they laughed at him, they're going to laugh at you. If they betrayed him, they're going to betray you. In other words, we all want to be as Jesus was to operate in his power and things like that that are very charismatic and very powerful, heal the sick, raise the dead, and do things like that. We all want to walk in those things, which we're supposed to do. But there's something you have to recognize. There's, a, there's another side uh, to that uh, cover right there, the side of great blessings, great things, but then there's a side called the price you pay because those that live godly in Christ, Second Timothy three twelve will suffer persecution. Uh, will suffer persecution. Second Timothy three twelve will live in persecution. He said in John sixteen thirty three, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So there's some negative things that are going to come your way. But if uh, if you can't deal with those things, if everything bothers you and you just seem to not be able to deal with it, you better stay out of it then because. That is an automatic thing. So the bottom line, you need to learn how to deal in these situations, and that's what we're talking about tonight a little bit. You have to deal with these situations. I'm not getting into the, the depth of it, but when you want to operate as, as Jesus did, you want to do as Jesus did, there's going to be negative things that come your way. You're going to have to deal with them as Jesus did. Be forgiving. Be for loving, loving people and, and doing the things, turning the other cheek from time to time. And doing what you should do, you see. There's always two sides to a coin. You know, we hear sometimes people, uh, they like to look at, I used to look at magazines that would have a picture of a nice home, they have a nice car, boats, and all the luxurious things. And everybody says, wow, I love to have that. I love to have this, or whatever. But, you know, something you have to do to get that. And a lot of times the people are so caught up in seeing the, the what they could get they aren't looking what they had to do to get it. And you see, that's the way with the things of God. You know, we see what the Word says, but he has in there things that we need to obey. He has conditions for that, what we need to do and everything. Like I said a minute ago, regarding perfect peace, is trusting completely in him. It's complete trust. Because if you don't have trust in him and faith in him, you can't be at peace because you're going to be worried how in the world is it going to happen. Uh-oh, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my health. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that or whatever it might be. But if you're trusting him for what he promises and believe in him, you're not going to be worried about it because you know he's got it. And you see, that's what he wants from you and I. Okay? Being in this life, in this earth, as far as God is seeing it, he said, we are to be as his son is. He says that uh, we are in this world just as his son was. And that's what we're to be. We're to be literally little Jesuses. If we're such a word, little Jesuses right there. That's what he wants us to be. Because, you see, he's at the right hand of the Father. Now it's up to you and I to finish the job he started. He taught us how to do it. He empowered us. He called us. He gives us everything we have need of to do it. But all we have to do is uh, step out of the boat and dare to do it, you see. We have to dare to do it. So the bottom line is just simply believe it, do it, do it. All right? The next thing about us, we're seated in heavenly places. You know that? Now, it's true I'm in a body of flesh and I'm sitting here in my home right now. But my spirit man is not where my home is right now. My spirit man is seated in heavenly places, the real me, the the part that I live in, the real me lives in, is seated here at home. But the real me is seated in the heavenly places. 
which means being I'm seated in heavenly places, and I'm to live out of my spirit, man. I'm to live out of the real me, you see, because God doesn't speak to this fleshly body. He speaks to my spirit, man, my spirit. So if I want to hear God and communicate with him and be led of the spirit, I must hear from the man inside, our spirit man, my spirit man, okay? Now, seated in heavenly places is a place natural where the action is. So we are, we're, according to this, it says in Ephesians 2, 6, it says, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are all raised up and seated together in heavenly places if we are born again and know the Lord. We are there in actuality. We are really there. But it does us no good if we don't believe that and act upon that and do what we should do. It would really manifest the results of that. If we don't use that and believe that and act upon that, it's no good. It's like having a million dollars in your wallet and starving to death, going to a restaurant, and you, and you can't buy the food. You say, I don't have any money, but yet you have a million dollars in your wallet, and you starve from it. That's really what it is because we, we are loaded with blessings. God has blessed us, given us everything. We have so much. That we're, we're operating probably about 1% of what we really should be operating in. We are to do just the – we can do everything that Jesus did. We have that ability through the fruit and gifts of the Spirit and through the promises of God. He's given us that, but the problem is too many people don't realize that they have that authority. They look at somebody in the past, oh, they were a great man, a great woman of God, or they know somebody now. But put the, the picture on you. Get in that picture yourself and say, hey, look in that mirror and say, hey, God has called me to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. Whatever the case is, and expect yourself to do these things also. Ask him to lead you because he wants to lead you and he wants to use you and his love and his power to the world, you see. He wants to reflect himself through you, you see. But you've got to give yourself to him. You've got to give yourself to him. So if we recognize we're seated in heavenly places and we're anointed of God, we're called of God, we have everything, you can walk out with your head hung high, not hung down, but held high, and recognize just who you are. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God, and you don't have to bow down to anybody, you see. Because your, your Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. Your Father is the Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father, you're his child. Jesus Christ is your elder brother. You have everything that heaven can give you. So therefore, he said, use it, son. Use it, daughter. He's given you everything, you see. You have that, but you've got to put it into practice and use it. And I'll tell you what, when you start doing the things that the Bible says, start acting on it the way the Bible says, and dare to get out of your boat, and dare to be bold and don't leave circumstances and everything cause you to fear or want to quit or give up or, or shudder or be afraid. When you, when you dare to do that, you're going to see yourself becoming stronger. You're going to see God doing some things in your life and through your life because he wants to do things in you. He wants to do them through you. And I'll tell you, it's increasing. In this, this age, it is really increasing what God is, is doing in people's personal lives as well as what he's doing through their lives. But we have to allow him to do it. Ephesians 3.20 says God is, uh, has the ability to do above all that we ask or even think according to the power that works in us. He can do abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So you see it comes back to us. How much do we dare to believe? How much do we dare to trust? How much do we dare to step out? Just what will we do, you see? The balls in our court, so to speak, or, or, or the bucks at our desk, you know. It, it's right with us there. Because Jesus did everything that he's going to do. 
The father, he, he obeyed his father. He did everything the father told him to do. Now, what are we going to do with what Jesus did for us? That would be a good message, wouldn't it? What am I to do with what Jesus did for me? Hmm. You could preach that till Jesus returns, I believe. There's so much right there. Okay, the next thing, we're more than a conqueror. Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know what more than a conqueror means? It means that Jesus is the conqueror and was the conqueror, but I'm more than a conqueror because I'm not the one that's doing the conqueror, and I'm following the one that is conquered, so therefore I'm more than a conqueror. I'm reaping the benefits of what Jesus already did. He macheted the way like in the jungle, and I'm just following him. I don't have to have a machete in my hand. All I have to do is follow him, you see, because he's made the way for me. So I'm more than a conqueror, and that's what that's meaning there, more than a conqueror. And being he conquered, all I have to do is follow his pathway in life, isn't it? That's all you have to do. All we have to do is follow the Lord. That's really the bottom line is being obedient and following the Lord. We can do all things. That's another thing. We can do all things. And he said in Philippians 14, 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengtheneth me. You can do all things that God has told you you can do and called you to do through him. All things, you see. You say, well, my, I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 12.9 that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So if he said you can do it, he gives you the ability to do it, you see. All he needs is obedience for you. That's all he needs from you is to be willingness, willing to do it. And he gives you the ability and what you have need of in order to accomplish it. If it takes money, if it takes people, whatever it takes, if you step out to do it, it'll be there for you because he always gives you what you need to build that house, okay? If he said, I want you to build that house, He's going to give you every nickel and dime and person and the ability and the knowledge of how to do it that you need in order to accomplish the uh, the thing. Like he did know and build New York. He had a design for it, but he, everything was provided for him that it was built, wasn't it, way back in the day of Noah. So he doesn't tell you to do something you can't do, but a lot of times what he does, he tells us things that are so big that we say, how in the world, this is above me, how can I do this? I've never done this before. I don't know anything about this. Well, he wants to tell you that because he wants to use you and do it through you that he will get the glory because people know that, hey, he didn't do that. She didn't do that. But look what they built right there. And I know they aren't able to do it, so there must be somebody, something powerful that enabled them. And that's where God is glorified, you see. He glorifies himself in doing the impossible in our lives that we can't take the credit or the praise for the people unfortunately try to do sometimes, which is wrong. It's an abomination. So whatever he calls you to do most of the time, you're going to have to simply believe him and trust him to do it through you. I've had many things. I started several churches. and I never started a church before in my life. I preached the word, did all those things, ministered, but I didn't know the mechanics of it, the legalities of it. But I've founded about two, church, two churches, and I've aided in some others that I personally founded and pastored couple churches, two churches, and I didn't know anything about it. I wrote a book, didn't know anything about that, knew less about it. And so many things I can think back on in my life that the Lord has done through me, and I became pretty proficient at it, too, in what I do in my writings as well as, as uh, uh, other things that I'm doing. And uh, and God has taken me to that place because he did it, not me. 
He did it. You see, if it'd be me, I wouldn't even done it. I wouldn't even be on this radio tonight. But he did it. You see. Now he tells us we have the mind of Christ. Second Corinthians, or excuse me, First Corinthians two sixteen. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay. Having the mind of Christ isn't something that you just walk around with the mind of Christ. We have the ability for the mind of Christ, but it's in the spirit that we operate in the mind of Christ. We don't just walk around just doing any old thing, hey, I have the mind of Christ, I got it. But that it manifests as we obey him and as we reach into him and meditate upon him and do the things that he's directing us to do. Then that's when he gives us the ability and the knowledge that we need, like a word of knowledge or what it might be. He gives us the things we have need of, but it isn't just something we just walk around with any old time. But it's when we're in the spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit. It's not through this flesh or any human reason or any human education or college education or anything else that we might have. It's done through the spirit. It's all through the spirit. You don't operate in the mind of Christ. You don't operate in anything of God except through the Holy Spirit in your spirit. So that's where the mind of Christ really is, in your spirit man. Our attitude for our life. Well, I said that a few minutes ago in the start of this sermon, but in, in Philippians 121, it says, For me to live is Christ, to die is to gain. And, you know, that kind of coincides with another scripture that I love, is Proverbs 23, 7. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you have the mind of Christ and think Jesus and you believe that you are operating like Jesus and obeying his word and have that attitude, I want to reflect Jesus, as you think in your heart, you actually become. If you believe you're a successful man or a successful woman, you will become that, you see. If you believe that you're a failure, you're not going to make it, you won't make it. It's the attitude that really decides the victory or failure. That's just like a fighter. If he goes in the ring and uh, he believes that the other fighter is going to beat him, he is going to beat him because he doesn't have the right attitude. He has he has defeated attitude right there. Your attitude governs your altitude in life. Your attitude, attitude governs your altitude. You're only going to go as high as your attitude is, what you dare to believe. It's just like I was just quoting a few minutes ago in 1 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, uh, Ephesians 3.20, God can do abundantly all that we ask or even think according to the power that works in us. So it's according to what is working in us. What are we thinking about? What are we believing? What is our attitude towards things? So you see, all these things fall in our lap. It's things that we have to do. You and I must do these things because if we allow our mind to be negative, fearful, and giving up and quitting and things like that, that's the way we're going to live it. But if we dare to believe God's word and dare to step out and know we're more than conquerors through him that uh, loved us and we can do all things through Jesus and we don't have to be sick, we don't have to be defeated, we don't have to be under the bondage of things or walking in fear or not having peace in our lives. We can have peace, joy, strength, victory in our lives in every area because he's made that for us, you see. But you have to have that attitude that it begins with that attitude. Okay, we have power, love, and a sound mind. I love that scripture. Second Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. God didn't give you fear. Satan gives you fear. 
fear is listening to what the words of the devil has to say to you. Faith is listening to what the word of God says to you. Now, fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. You have a choice to believe what fear is saying to you, which is Satan, or what God's word says to you. Matter of fact, uh, the word tells us in Second Corinthians 10.5, the word will cast down all imaginations, things that come to our mind that are not of the Lord. They're negative, things of fear, things of Satan. We must bring that word into subjection to what the word of God says under Christ. So if you have something that says you're sick, you're defeated, you're not going to make it, you're a failure, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. I cast you down in Jesus' name. You're a liar, Satan. I cast that down. I don't receive you. Don't meditate on it or think about that and say, oh, maybe I am a failure. Maybe I'm not going to make it. It's when you do things like that, you're listening to the words of Satan. When you do that, you're going to build up in there where gradually you'll actually believe that you're a failure. That's why it's very dangerous in your mind to think on the wrong things and leave it build up because after a while there will be no room for God or no faith. That's why we have to meditate and think on God's word. We're to renew our minds by the word of God, right? That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us we're to renew our minds. Our mind's not born again. That's why we have to renew it by the word of God. We're born of the spirit, not the mind. So what what the spirit man receives from God, the mind must be in agreement with it that the body that you and I are in will carry it out. Some people believe something in the spirit. They have another thought in the mind, and they walk it another way in their body. So they're instead of being unified, they're diversified. You see, the Lord is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three are one. We are, we are spirit, soul, and body. Our three parts should be one. In other words, what my spirit has, my my mind should be, or my soul, whatever you want to call it. That's the intellectual part of myself or of making decisions. The intellect, and then my body is my body, and they should work in unity with one another. So re- remember, you have power. You have love and a mind that's free to think and clear mind, not a mind that's all jaded and all troubled and just kind of going around in circles. But in the name of Jesus, you have that. And I'll tell you a little thing. I'll just kind of stop off here for a second. When people are troubled in their minds, and if you're troubled in your mind that things just seem to be just going helter-skelter, you need to take that verse, and if you have to shout it, you shout it. And as you do that, you're going to feel something rise up into you. I'll give you a little example. For God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but he gave me power. He gave me love, and he gave me a sound mind. I will not be moved by anything that tries to come my way. When you say things like that, and you really speak it bold like you mean business, I'm telling you, just by a little few little sayings there, a few seconds, raised me up in, in my spirit, man. It raised me up because that's God's word. And when you confess God's word and you believe that, Something's going to happen because actually, you know, the word of God is true, folks. It's true. And something else you might know, it works. It works and it's true. So we need to take it seriously, apply it to our lives, and watch what will happen. Amen? Okay. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. That means you don't go to the Lord and say, oh, my, I'm being attacked by Satan. Oh, Lord, help Oh, God, take the devil away from Oh, help me, help me, God, help me, God. You know what the Bible says about that? And I've done that, folks. I've, I've done some babyish things like that, the wrong thing. I mean, we all have done it. I've learned a few things since then. 
But Luke 10, 19, and 20 is what it's going to tell us. And this, this should end that thought about you crying and boo-hooing and, oh, Father, help me. The devil's attacking me. He's hurting me. Luke 10, 19, and 20. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. That is the greatest thing for your name to be written in heaven. But let's do this first verse again. Behold, I give unto you power. The Lord's given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. That was in red letters, folks. That's red letters. Jesus said that. In other words, I've given you power, Jesus said, but nothing can hurt you, and in my name, demons shall go, devils shall go, evil forces shall go. They don't have control of you in the name of Jesus. When you use that name, you believe that and believe that Jesus told you that, Accept that and act on that, I promise you it'll go. Many times over the years we've seen that work, well, so many times, so many testimonies. I won't even get into it, but it actually works, folks. But you have to believe it'll work. You need to be bold about that. Hey, I have authority over the devil. He's not going to push me around in the name of Jesus. I'm just going to kick him out. I mean that, folks. You have to have that attitude, this idea of saying, well, I'll bind him. I'll cast him out. No, don't act like Barney Fife. Act like a man or woman of God, you see. Be bold about this, and you've got to be bold. God's called you and I to be bold men and women of God, humble but bold, bold in the things of God. People are looking for a hero in this world. They're looking for somebody that really believes what they say and says what they mean, mean what they say, and are honest and have integrity. They're looking for a person, and you and I have been called to be that kind of people, haven't we? That's the body of Christ. We should be reflecting all these things, not just one or two ministers or one or two lay people, but the body of Christ should reflect honesty, power, boldness, love, joy, manifestation of the power of God, miracles, healings. Uh, you name it, it should be there, folks. He's given us us. It's time we use it, folks. Okay? Everything given to us for this life and the next life that I said to you uh, several minutes ago was, given to us in second peter 1 verse 3 and 4 he's given us everything for this life period it's just that simple without going into a lot of words he's given us everything that we have need of for this life everything that you and i have need of he's left nothing out he's done it all there isn't one thing a matter of fact there's a portion of scripture that says if there's any fact it's it's found uh, back in the old testament there uh you know if we if there's anything missed by what God wants to bless us with, that's included in there also. He said that in his word. He tells us if there's anything that isn't included in the blessings of God, that's in there too. So he, he's left nothing out. He puts that in there for you and I, you see. That we aren't lacking anything, the blessings of God. Now, we're joint heirs with Jesus, Romans eight seventeen, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. Whoa. Listen to that part. You see, that isn't the part that we like to hear. I don't like to hear it, and I know you don't. But it's the truth. If, if children, then heirs. We're heirs of God. We're, Jesus is our elder brother, as I said. And joint heirs with Jesus. So you see, we're joint with Jesus. We're, we're all heirs of the Father, and we're joint heirs with Jesus. So if so, that we suffer with who? Jesus? 
we may be glorified together. So therefore, when we operate like Jesus does, when we operate like he does, and like the title of this message right here, the reality of being in Jesus, we're going to be blessed together, he says. He's going to tell us that very thing. We're going to be glorified together, you see. But that requires things that come our way sometimes that we have. There's some suffering to do, you see. Jesus suffered, and I'm not talking about the cross. I'm talking about the, the persecution, all the things, and the rejection, the abandonment, the betrayal, everything that you can shake a stick at, he, he went through. And these things are going to happen to us, too, so we... We can't fall apart when things don't go our way or people betray us. We have to consider him. In fact, Hebrews tells us, it says, Consider him that suffered such death or great contradictions, lest thou faint in thy mind. That's why we have to have a vision. Jesus had a vision. He had a vision of souls by the millions being saved when he went through what he went through, the hell that he went through. He had a vision of what was going to become of that. In other words, he didn't look at what he was doing. He saw the vision of the fruit from what he was doing. And you and I need to have the vision in our hearts and what we're going through, what we're experiencing, knowing that that's going to contribute to the great harvest that what we're doing is going to come forth from. You see, there's a great harvest coming from you and I. If we're following the Lord, obeying him, doing what he wants, there's a great harvest it's going to result from that if we are obedient to him. We have to have our eyes in that harvest, you see. And then you don't have your eyes on the pain and the persecution and all the things that come your way because you see that that is much greater. That's much greater. That's why Jesus saw the harvest and it didn't trouble him. For the simple reason, he looked ahead, you see. But if we don't have that vision of great things happening and great things resulting from it, then it's like, hey, I'm going through these things. Why? Why am I going through this? What's the yield and what's it going to do? Uh, you see, anything that comes your way, uh, what happens is if God will turn it into lemonade. Lemons that come your way, don't allow them to discourage you and put you down. Just believe God that what Satan meant for evil, God will turn around for good. And that's everything. We learn from everything that really happens to us, folks, good or bad. We can learn from it. Don't take it and leave it make you bitter. Let it make you better. When things hit you the negative way, say, Father, I, this was a hard thing that hit, hit me here, but, Lord, I, I want to learn from this, and I'm believing what the devil meant for evil. You're turning around for good. So turn this around for good, what happened, whatever it happened, you see. You need to take that approach and things. I need to take that approach because if we do that, what's going to happen is we're going to benefit from them, and, and we, can be, we can use that to help people. People get saved, healed, delivered. You see, there's an endless thing that we can we can turn everything in our life into something good. There isn't anything really that can happen to us that we can't benefit from if we turn it to God and get better instead of keeping it to ourselves and getting angry and bitter. So remember that. Okay. The next thing is health, wealth, spiritual prosperity. Well, I'm going to read this scripture because this this is an instruction scripture. This this is really the whole ball of wax here. Uh, Joshua one eight. This Joshua one eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may prosper to observe to do all according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. 
Let me read that again because there's several things in there I want to emphasize to you. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, that should be kept in you constantly, 24-7. 24-7. Thou shalt meditate day and night. You need to think on it. Leave the Holy Spirit give you revelation on it and better understanding. Enlighten your understanding of it and how to apply it. How is this applied to me? What can I do with that, with this word, you see? That's what that means, meditate. Don't just read it and study it, but you think about it. Because in that thinking and meditating is where God gives you revelations, you see. You get revelations through that. Okay? And it said, day and night, that thou may observe to do according to all that's written therein. In other words, it's you'll know what you're to do with that word. You see, you need to know what to do with it. You can have knowledge, but that you'll know what to do with that word. He can direct you maybe to do something a certain way or to start something or go to somebody, whatever it might be in that. You see, whatever he wants for you. You see, you're open to God's instruction. And that's who we have to be open to, folks. That's why we meditate, because God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. This is a personal thing. This, that's why you must take the word of God personally. Stop going to people and asking this and asking that, doing this and doing that. It's okay to ask questions and do things, but you've got to mature and go into that word yourself, and you'll find that you can hear things just like other people do. You can do things just like other people can do. But we need to go to God for our answers more than to man. Because when you go to God, you get the, the real answer, you say. You get the real answer. And I'm, I'm not against going to people because I have people constantly coming to me. And I, I don't know at all, that's for sure. But the bottom line is uh, the real answer comes from God because many times I have to get the answer from God like you do. I don't just give – I'm not God. I have to get what God wants to say. I don't want to give you my thoughts because my thoughts don't amount to a nickel. Everything that counts is what God's word says. My opinion means nothing. We aren't looking for opinions. We're looking for what God's saying, not what we think or what we've been educated to think or what we do, but what's God saying about this, not what Ed's saying about it. Okay. He said that thou mayest observe to do according as it is written, for then, watch this, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and will have good success. He said you are going to be, your way will be prosperous and you're going to be very successful if you do this. You see that verse, I would advise everybody who's listening to this message now to meditate on this verse. Just think about this verse and follow instructions with it because one verse there is telling you how to do it. That's telling you how to do it. And it's not complicated, folks. Uh, it doesn't take a Bible scholar to understand what God is trying to tell you here and trying to tell me. He said, you're going to be successful if you do this, but if you don't do this, you're going to be successful. No, when God tells you how to do something, I've learned sometimes I've tried to do it my way, and it failed every time. And then I wind up coming back and say, forgive me, Lord, I'll do it your way. And I've learned it's best to do it God's way the first time, isn't it? It's best to do it his way because my way will fail. He says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says, my ways and thoughts are not yours, they're above yours. So how in the world can I ever be at the place that I say, well, this will do this, we'll do that, and I'll, I'll go here and I'll do this? No, because I, I, my pay grade's not high enough for that. There's only one pay, pay grade high enough for that, and that's God the Father's pay grade. I have to get it through the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that's qualified to give me that. So, therefore, you're going to be 100% wrong all the time because you don't have what God has. Your, your mind, your thoughts aren't his. So, be right. It's impossible unless he tells it to you. 
Your ways, your mind, thoughts, your actions are not his. His are above ours, you see. So you can't possibly ever make it without God in doing these things. He's your only answer. He's the only answer. Okay, for my last verse here, and this is a precious verse. You know, you've heard this many times. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Well, I want to prosper in all ways. I want to be healthy. I want all these things. I want you to be that way. I want my family to be that way. I want us all to be that way. But, you know, as I soul prosper, so what does that mean, even as I soul prosper? That means is your mind, your intellect, the understanding that you have, the, the, the part of you. In other words, your spirit man's born again, you know what your body is. The one is your intellect, your decision maker, your thought maker, the one you meditate with. As it prospers, then you're going to prosper in these other areas. So that means you're growing in the Word of God, you're growing in the Spirit of God, your understanding. All these things are happening, so therefore you're going to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Because that means you're going to be knowing more, you're going to be applying it, you're going to be believing it, you're going to be using your faith, you're going to be trusting God, you're going to be seeing him in a greater way, you're going to be stronger in your faith, you're going to be bolder, you're going to be a better man or a better woman, you see. But it's only gotten through this, what I've went over tonight. It's only gotten through this channel, you see. He's he's given us so much just in these uh few minutes that I've been with you all here to speak in these things right here. If we take that to heart, folks, that's going to take us to the perfect will of God that he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we have to apply them, you see. So we need to apply God's word to our life and know that it's up to us. The buck stops in our lap. It's all up to us. Uh, I've noticed something in closing that, uh, you know, just uh, there's a scripture in Colossians 3.15 that said, let the peace of God rule your hearts. That means you let the peace of God. You do that, you see. The things that he tells us to have and do, it says, you let the peace of God. So it's up to us. He says, I've already spread the table of my peace. He said, you have to believe it and allow it to work for you. My table is spread for you. I'm not going to put any more food on that table. It's all there. Nothing need to put there. But he said, you need to take a hold of that, that piece of fruit, that piece of vegetable or piece of meat, and you need to bring it to you, and you need to apply it to you that you get the benefit of it. And that's exactly what he wants each one of us to do. That's what the Bible says, work out thy own salvation with fear and with trembling. You see, we need to work it out. It's a working thing. I've been doing this for nearly, well, 50 years. My wife and I got saved together in our living room back in in, uh, August the 3rd, 1970. We were saved together at the very same minute. And, you know, that's a long time ago. It's 50 years ago. And uh, I'll tell you what. This day and age, I'm learning more. I've learned more this past couple years, I'll say, even less than that than I've learned all my life because knowledge is increasing so much. God has shown himself so much. It's becoming so much more real, so much more understanding, and God has corrected me in some things, things that I've been wrong in, what I believe and what I've thought, things I found out that I've been wrong with, you see. We're all finding those things out, and that goes for everybody because God has shown that things that nobody has been right with in this day. Because he said knowledge will increase, understanding will increase. And that's in the spiritual as well as the natural world. So what you and I have to do, we need to cooperate with that and leave God, apply that in our lives, and then we're going to be in him, like the word says, just like I tell you my message here tonight, in him, in Christ, you see. And we're in Christ. We are in him, 
And what we can say is the reality of being in Jesus, that's the reality of me being in Christ, that is saying something, you see. So that's all I have for tonight. But I'm going to pray that uh, each one of you have listened to this message tonight and those will be listening to it in the future and listen to it again because I, I listen to my messages. You know, Can I tell you something? I listen to my message and I'm blessed like you are blessed. And I'm not saying that braggadociously. I don't mean it to sound like that. I mean it because I couldn't listen to me preaching except by the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God is doing I can listen to myself preach. But if I listen to myself preaching, it's me, I wouldn't listen to it two seconds. I'd just throw it out the window. Because that's how a man or woman knows if it's a spirit message of God or their message. You see, is it a spirit message, the spirit of God, or is it their message? And, you know, God does not send forth his word without the intention to bring back results from it. He says that in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 11. It will not come back to him void. So this word that you and I have heard tonight, I've heard it because I spoke it. You've heard it because you heard me say it. And that word that we have heard tonight, all of us here, myself included, will not come back void if we believe it and we act on it and we praise God for it. Amen? Father, I, I thank you for this wonderful privilege. I thank you for giving this wonderful privilege and being with us tonight as you spoke the word to people, Father. And these words are your truth, Lord. They are your truth to all of us. Um, I just ask, Lord, that every person that heard this message tonight, you would minister to them what do they need out of this. How does this affect them? Every individual, Father, including myself, all of us, Father, this word we all need it. Everybody needs it. Every man, woman, boy, and girl. So, Father, I would just ask tonight that you would use this word in a mighty way and change lives, that people be saved, healed, delivered, set free and on fire for your son Jesus, that they can bring many into your kingdom, Lord, that you desire from all of us. So, Father, I just thank you again. I just praise you. Thank you for what you've done in and through this message tonight. And, Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise, which in Jesus' name we pray. And we all said amen and amen. Okay, everybody, uh, I'll see you in two weeks. Or I'll have a uh, every other week program on Tuesday, and uh, I'll see you in two weeks, Lord willing. And you all have a blessed night. Remember, follow Jesus, because when you follow Jesus, you're going somewhere. You are going somewhere. Maybe you never went very far in certain things. Maybe you feel like you just haven't went anywhere. But when God is leading you, it's a sure thing that you will have no regrets for. You'll never regret anything when you follow God. Too many people are old and they regret their lives because it wasn't what it should have been and they can't turn the clock back. But if you're following Jesus Christ, obeying him and living for him, it comes with no regrets, folks. We have no regrets as we follow Jesus. Amen. I love you all. See you in about two weeks and talk to you in two weeks. God bless you all. I love you all.